0: Once, there was a mouse. Tonight, I'm going to tell you a story. Actually, I'm going to read a Native American story of spiritual awakening and transformation and comment on it uh, in terms of our own uh, lives and the practice that we do here. When you listen to a story like this, you should understand that Every element of the story, every character, and every behavior, and every piece of the story is within you, somewhere it's within you. Some of which you've discovered, some of which you may not yet have seen. But as you listen to the story, just take note of that element, which most speaks to you uh, in terms of what you've seen of yourself. Uh, during this retreat. (laughs) Once there was a mouse. She was a busy mouse, searching everywhere, touching her whiskers to the grass and looking. She was busy as all mice are, busy with mice things, but once in a while she would hear an odd sound. She would lift her head squinting hard to see, her whiskers wiggling in the air, and she would wonder. One day, she scurried up to a fellow mouse and asked her, do you hear a roaring in your ears, my sister? No. No, answered the other mouse, not lifting her busy nose from the ground. I hear nothing. I am busy now. Talk to me later. She asked another mouse the same question, and the mouse looked at her strangely. Are you foolish in your head? What sound, she asked, and slipped into a hole in a fallen cottonwood tree. The little mouse shrugged her whiskers and busied herself again, determined to forget the whole matter. But there was that roaring sound again. It was faint, very faint. But it was there. One day, she decided to investigate the sound, just a little. Leaving the other busy mice, she scurried a little ways away and listened again. There it was. She was listening hard when suddenly someone said, hello. Hello, little sister, the voice said, and Mouse almost jumped right out of her skin. She arched her back and tail and was about to run. Hello again, said the voice. It is I, Sister Raccoon. And sure enough, it was. What are you doing here all by yourself, little sister? Asked the raccoon. The mouse blushed and put her nose almost to the ground. I hear a roaring in my ears and I am investigating it, she answered timidly. A roaring in your ears, replied the raccoon as she sat down with her. What you hear, little sister, is the river. The river? Mouse asked curiously. What is a river? A walk with me and I will show you the river, raccoon said. Little Mouse was terribly afraid, but she was determined to find out once and for all about that roaring. I can return to my work, she thought, after this thing is settled. And possibly this thing may aid me in all my busy examining and collecting. And my sisters all said it was nothing. I will show them. I'll ask Raccoon to return with me and I will have proof. All right, Raccoon, my sister said, Mouse, lead on to the river. I will walk with you. Little Mouse walked with the raccoon. Her little heart was pounding in her breast The raccoon was taking her upon strange paths and Little Mouse smelled the scent of many things that had gone by this way. Many times she became so frightened she almost turned back. Finally they came to the river. It was huge and breathtaking, deep and clear in places and murky in others. Little Mouse was unable to see across it because it was so great. It roared, sang, cried, and thundered on its course. Little Mouse saw great and little pieces of the world carried along on its surface. It it is powerful, Little Mouse said, fumbling for words. It is a great thing, answered the raccoon. But here, let me introduce you to a friend. In a smoother, shallower place was a lily pad, bright and green. Sitting upon it was a frog, almost as green as the pad it sat on. The frog's white belly stood out clearly. Hello, little sister, said the frog. Welcome to the river. I must leave you now, cut in raccoon. But do not fear, little sister, for frog will care for you now. And raccoon left, looking along the riverbank for food that she might wash and eat. Have you recognized yourself yet? In this uh, first section uh, of the story, um, we see little mouse being called to awaken. There's an element of her life that she's faintly aware of. She hears something, it's in the distance, it's faint, she doesn't recognize it, but she's curious. And when she asks others about it, well, they don't hear it. They're too busy. Uh, They're kind of like questioning her sanity maybe, like, are you sure? And it's because it's her own calling. Nevertheless, she eventually decides that she's going to take a look and try to find out about this roaring sound, not burying herself in denial and busyness. But she's just a little bit curious to investigate, just a little. And upon doing so, just a little ways away from the safety of her community, she meets her first guide on the journey. And it is a raccoon. But she's frightened by the guide. And there is some self-doubt and some questioning, quite a lot of self-consciousness and fear when questioned by the guide as to what she's doing. When the guide, the raccoon, mentions that the roaring that she hears is the river, she doesn't know what the river is. It is the unknown thing calling her. It's the rest of her life. It's all of life that's calling her that she's not yet aware of. But raccoon seems to be quite knowledgeable about the river and offers to take her there. However, Little Mouse is terribly afraid, not knowing the raccoon, not knowing the river, and not knowing the way to it. Nevertheless, she is determined to find out. Once and for all, she thinks, assuring herself or consoling herself that maybe this thing will be of some use to her in her life there's a hope for profit or success, or at least taking Raccoon back with her to the village of mice to show others what she has discovered. The Raccoon takes mouse upon, of course, very strange terrain, unfamiliar, until they reach the river when she sees this magnificent, grandiose thing with the bits and pieces of life floating on it that is powerful, breathtaking, deep and clear in places and murky in others, much like my mind. (laughs) She is introduced to one who is at ease in the river of life, meaning one who is aware of the dimension of life, a bigger, a larger dimension of life, and that is the frog who rests in this shallow, calm place on the river of life. Raccoon introduces mouse to the second guide and leaves to pursue her her life. Now, each one of us has heard a call to awaken. Something has moved us out of the confines of our family cultural conditioning to look at more of what we sense life offers. For each one of us, we've we've heard something calling us, some need to uh, explore more of what we then at that time knew. Little mouse approached the water and looked into it. She saw a frightened mouse reflected there. A frightened mouse reflected there. Who are you? Little Mouse asked the reflection. Aren't you afraid being that far out into the great river? No, answered the frog. I'm not afraid. I have been given the gift from birth to live both above and within the river. When winter man comes and freezes this medicine, I cannot be seen. But all the while thunderbird flies, I am here. To visit me, One must come when the world is green. I, my sister, am the keeper of the water. Amazing, Little Mouse said at last, again fumbling for words. Would you like to have some medicine power, Frog asked. Medicine power? Me? asked Little Mouse. Yes, if if it's possible. Then crouch as low as you can and then jump as high as you are able, and you will have your medicine, the frog said. Little Mouse did as she was instructed. She crouched as low as she could, and she jumped. And when she did, her eyes caught glimpse of the sacred mountains. Little Mouse could hardly believe her eyes, but there they were. But then she fell back to earth and she landed in the river. Little Mouse became frightened and scrambled back on the riverbank. She was wet and frightened nearly to death. And she screamed at the frog, you have tricked me. Wait, 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 said frog. You are not harmed. Do not let your fear and anger blind you. What did you see? I, 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 I <clears throat> I, I, I saw the sacred mountains, Mouse, stammered. And you have a new name, Frog said. It is Jumping Mouse. Oh, thank you, thank you, Jumping Mouse said, and thanked her again. I want to return to my people, the mice, and tell them of this thing that has happened to me. Go, go then, Frog said. Return to your people. It is easy to find them. Keep the sound of the medicine river to the back of your head. Go opposite to the sound, and you will find your sister mice. Jumping Mouse returned to the world of mice, but she found disappointment. No one would listen to her. And because she was wet and had no way of explaining it, because there had been no rain, many of the other mice were afraid of her. They believed she had been spat from the mouth of another animal that had tried to eat her. (laughs) And they all knew that if she had not been food for the one who wanted her, then she must also be poisoned for them. Jumping Mouse lived among her people, but she could not forget her vision of the sacred mountain. In this second, Uh, section of the story, we get a glimpse of the uh, sacred uh, in our life, in this case the sacred mountains. But first, when we look into the river of life, when we look into all that's possible, and we see our own reflection, it scares us. We become afraid of what we see in ourself, our personal fears, judgments, limitations, and we question whether one shouldn't be afraid to open to and be aware of all that is possible to discover in the river of life. When we open to this shadow side of our personality, we definitely will come upon that which is terrifying and which will judge in question. However, the frog being the guide to the river of life has knowledge of the flow of life, the fullness of life, that which is conscious, that which is unconscious and when the flow of life is frozen, the guide to life cannot be seen. When we're stuck in time, when we're stuck in habit, when we're stuck in personality, life is frozen. There's no guide to the life. It can't be seen to the fullness of life. However, when the river of life is flowing and the world is green, life is abundant. In this case, knowledge of the river of life is medicine. And the frog, the guide to life, offers each one of us the knowledge of spiritual awakening. However, in order to accept the glimpse of the sacred, two things are required. Humility, by crouching as low as we can. And secondly, the greatest of effort to jump as high as we're able. And that is required for anyone who wants to mm, aspire to the sacred, however it's viewed. When Little Mouse did as she was instructed, through humility and great effort, she caught a glimpse. As we all do, somehow, somewhere, we get a glimpse. We get a taste, we get a vision, we get a sense of what the sacred is, what the sacred might be for us. And yet, it's just a glimpse, and it doesn't take long before we land back into our life And in Mouse's case, she landed back on Earth in a different place as we all will too. After seeing the sacred, you don't land back in the same place. And because Little Mouse landed in a different place, she had a lot of fear and a lot of disappointment and a lot of anger at the one who tricked her into leaving behind the familiar. Hmm. But there was a lot of fear, and she was uh, screaming at the frog that she'd been tricked. But frog was very wise to to the activities of the mouse. And she said two things. Don't let your fear and your anger blind you. And asked her, What did you see? Name what you saw. Because when you name what you see, it grounds the understanding in your life. Name what you see, then it exists for you. And when Mouse was able to do that, Frog acknowledged that now Mouse had a new uh, name or a new being, a new sense of herself. Now she was jumping mouse. The name reflects a transformative spiritual event. And we all may have a sense, a uh, renewed or a new sense of ourselves after first glimpsing the sacred. Sometimes we even have a guru that gives us a new name However, we don't offer those here. (laughs) (laughs) Nevertheless, you can't live in the memory of the sacred. We still have to go home and take care of the family, the kids, the job, the partner, the nest. And so Frog, again, guided jumping mouse now back to her familiar, or what she thought would be familiar surroundings back to her community. And interestingly enough, the direction back to your family and cultural conditioning is to leave the fullness of the river of life behind. However, Jumping Mouse found disappointment, disillusionment. Others weren't interested in her knowledge, and in fact didn't trust her, and feared her, that maybe this new knowledge was dangerous to them. However, jumping mouse could not forget her vision, just as we two, how do you erase something that you have experienced in the deepest part of your heart? even if you can't reconnect with it, even if you can't recover it, even if you can't manifest it, and you don't even know what it means, nevertheless, there still is an ember of this uh, sacred uh, spiritualness um, alive in our heart. For me, it was a feeling of, you know, after stumbling upon my first retreat thirty-some years ago, not having, I didn't think, any interest in spiritual practices. I was kind of tricked into going to a first retreat. I thought I was going on a holiday. (laughs) Where did I get that idea? Nevertheless, went on this holiday, ended up at a two-week retreat, which, I'd never imagined before. Didn't know anything about it. Uh, Meditation, Buddhism, spiritual practice, far from my mind, far from my interest. Nevertheless, by accident, got a glimpse. And at the time, I was living in a commune in central Maine. And we were mostly into the Grateful Dead and drugs. (laughs) 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 And, when I returned to the commune after the retreat, of course, everything was the same. Same people, lived in the same place, doing the same thing. But I was terribly alienated. I just couldn't, disillusion. just, everything, while it was the same, my view of it was entirely different. And this happens. As you may all see tomorrow, when you return from a retreat to your families and home and work, everything is the same, but somehow it's all a little bit or even quite different. For myself, just as for jumping mouse, um, that was the momentum of my life. That was the lifestyle I was leading. And while I did get a glimpse and something was shaken or awoken in me, I didn't have any means, I didn't have any way of nourishing it in the lifestyle I was living. And so too with jumping mouse. The memory of the sacred mountains burned in the mind and the heart of jumping mouse and one day She went to the edge of the river place, to the edge of the place of mice, and she looked out onto the prairie. She looked up in the sky at the eagles. The sky was full of many spots, each one of them an eagle. But she was determined to go to the sacred mountains. She gathered all of her courage and ran just as fast as she could onto the prairie. Her little heart pounded with excitement and fear. She ran until she came to a stage, a stand of sage. She was resting and trying to catch her breath when she saw an old mouse. The patch of sage old mouse lived in was a haven for mice. Seeds were plentiful and there was nesting material and many things to keep busy with. Hello, said Old Mouse. Welcome. Jumping Mouse was amazed. Such a place and such a mouse. You are truly a great mouse, Jumping Mouse said with all the respect she could find. This is truly a wonderful, wonderful place. And the eagles can't see you here either, Jumping Mouse said. Yeah, said Old Mouse. And one can see all the beings of the prairie here, the buffalo, the antelope, the rabbit, and coyote. One can see them all from here and know their names. That is marvelous, Jumping Mouse said. Can you also see the river and the great mountains? Yes and no, (laughs) Old Mouse said with conviction. I know there's a great river, but I'm afraid that the great mountains are only a myth. Forget your passion to see them and stay here with me. There is everything you want here, and it is a good place to be. How can can she say such a thing? thought Jumping Mouse. The medicine of the Sacred Mountains is nothing one can forget. Thank you. Thank you very much for the meal you've shared with me, Old Mouse. And also for sharing your great home, Jumping Mouse said. But I must seek the mountains. You are a foolish mouse to leave here. There is danger on the prairie. You just look up there, Old Mouse said with even more conviction. You see all those spots? They're eagles and they are going to get you. never had that experience have we no but nevertheless it's still uh, impossible to forget the glimpse of the sacred but it takes a a courage and a determination to go beyond the edge of the familiar to leave your familiar nesting place Hmm, that's it nesting place but with determination encountering fear and excitement We somehow begin the journey. And here we find our third guide, as Mouse did after running upon the prairie. And the third guide to the sacred is one who sees and knows all. One who sees and knows all there is to know on the prairie of life, on the journey to the sacred. Amid all this abundance, this mouse, the old mouse, was living in this tremendous haven of mouseness with lots of things to gather and things to keep busy with. We say, fantastic riches to be busy with. Of course, Jumping Mouse was truly amazed. For us, on the journey of spiritual awakening, being introduced to the fullness of the river of life, and mm, scouting out its abundance and finding the guides to the fullness of life. It's very easy for us to get fully preoccupied with the uh, fullness that life offers. with our fantasies, our memories, our plans, it's all a great distraction and it seduces a great many of us. The wise one who knows the name of all is the expert, the authority, the one who speaks with great conviction and accomplishment, holding on to their beliefs and ideas, but without passion having forgotten the sacred, the glimpse of the sacred by the accumulation of the best it can be. Such a mouse lives rich and aloof, passionless, stuck in a good place to be. However, If we're careful on our journey and we meet the guide to the fullness of life and we accept the teachings that life has to offer, we won't be satisfied. While we can express our gratitude and should express our gratitude for all the abundance that life offers us, we should not be fooled. An abundance in life is not the sacred. The old mouse, interestingly, used shame and fear to try to prevent the one who is interested in the sacred from leaving. There is great seductive power in wealth, position, fame, seclusion, and all of us in our own ways have or will have this challenge to, to, to meet. We will meet this condition. In our life somehow and it will require some kind of sacrifice some kind of leaving the authorities leaving the abundance letting it go knowing that we can't take it with us we can't carry it with us to the sacred it was hard for jumping mouse to leave but she gathered her determination and ran hard again the ground was rough, but she arched her tail and ran with all her might. She could feel the shadows of the spots upon her back as she ran. All those spots. Finally, she ran into a stand of choke cherries. jumping mouse could hardly believe her eyes. It was cool there and very spacious. There was water cherries and seeds to eat, grasses to gather for nests, holes to be explored, and many, many other busy things to do. And there were a great many things to gather. She was investigating her new domain when she heard very heavy breathing. She quickly investigated the sound and discovered its source. It was a great mound of hair with black horns. (laughs) It was a great buffalo. Jumping Mouse could hardly believe the greatness of the being she saw lying there before her. She was so large that Jumping Mouse could have crawled into one of her great horns. Such a magnificent being thought Jumping Mouse as she crept closer. Hello, my sister, said the buffalo. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for visiting me. Hello, great being, said Jumping Mouse. Why are you lying there? I am sick and I am dying, the buffalo said. And my medicine has told me that only the eye of a mouse can heal me. But little sister, there is no such thing as a mouse. (laughs) (laughs) Jumping Mouse was shocked. One of my eyes, she thought, one of my tiny eyes. She scurried back into the stand of choke cherries, but the breathing came harder and slower. She will die, thought Jumping Mouse, if I do not give her my eye. She is too great a being to let die. She went back to where the buffalo lay and spoke. I am a mouse, she said with a shaky voice, and you, my sister, are a great being. I cannot let you die. I have two eyes, so you may have one of them. The minute she said it, Jumping Mouse's eye flew out of her head and the buffalo was made whole. The buffalo jumped to her feet, shaking, jumping mouse's whole world. Thank you, thank you, my little sister, said the buffalo. I know of your quest for the sacred mountains and of your visit to the river. You have given me life so that I may give away to you and other people. I will be your sister forever. Run under my belly, and I will take you right to the foot of the sacred mountains, and you need not fear the spots. The eagles cannot see you while you run under me. All they will see is the back of a buffalo. I am of the prairie and I would fall on you if I tried to go up the mountains, though. Little Mouse ran under the buffalo, secure and hidden from the spots, but with only one eye, it was terrifying. The buffalo's great hooves shook the whole world each time she took a step. Finally, they came to a place, and Buffalo stopped. Oh, this is where I must leave you, little sister, said Buffalo. Oh, thank you very much, said Jumping Mouse. But you know, it was terribly frightening running under you with only one eye. I was constantly in fear of your great earth-shaking hooves. Well, your fear was for nothing, said Buffalo, for I know the way. I walk the way of the Sundance, and I always know where my hooves will fall. I must now return to the prairie, my sister. You can always find me there. In this section of our journey we meet the need for compassion and renunciation. But we need to leave the place of abundance and the wealth of what mouse life offers, or community life offers. And with determination, going over very rough ground, with fear and dread to the exposure we feel, we will eventually find a cool and spacious place, just like the mouse. This cool and spacious place for us is the place within heart the cool and spacious place where we are secluded from the heat the fear the threats of the prairie of life of the danger and when we investigate this new place the cool spaciousness of our heart we will discover that all is not well because within this cool and spacious interior place is a weak and dying being. A great being that has not the power to live. This is our own wounded self. Our own damaged nature. That we just haven't been mm, able to uh, keep healthy. Fragile, but with great potential. With intuitive knowledge, the mouse heard from the buffalo what was needed in order to become healthy. And for the buffalo, it was one of the mouse's eyes. For us, it is giving up our conditioned way of seeing things. We have to let go. We just can't insist on Seeing things with the way we always have, or we and the great potential within us will surely die. Something else is called for. But it's terrifying to think that we're going to have to give up our way of seeing, our way of understanding the world, even though the greatness within us can't thrive if we hang on to it. Jumping mouse, just as we, in order to give up the way of seeing and to heal the or to fulfill the great perfection and potential that's within us, uh, must develop compassion. Compassion both for ourselves and for the potential that we uh, have. And to act compassionately by uh, the act of renunciation. Letting go of, in this case, our way of seeing. We do that out of uh, love and compassion for something that is greater than our personal self interest. The spiritual journey is not about accumulating more for yourself. It's all about letting go, and in the process, gaining something from that letting go that is not available by accumulating. When we give up our conditioned way of seeing, we get a guide, compassion and renunciation, that leads us to the sacred mountains. And through the protection of compassion and renunciation, we can make the journey over dangerous, threatening terrain. Because generosity, compassion, renunciation rewards us in unforeseen ways. We see the world differently. We have greater security, a different kind of security, because we see things differently. This part of our journey is about recognizing a potential within us that is wounded, that is not being nourished, that if not cared for, will die. And we all know that. We know there is a greatness within us. We know there is a potential within us that has not been either acknowledged or or fulfilled. But the cost of nourishing this part of ourself is to let go of what we've been relying on for so much of our life. Our conditioning, our beliefs, our sense of ourself. When we do that, we need a guide. We need some being or someone or something to offer us protection as we make the journey across unfamiliar terrain, it may be a person, it may be a teaching, it may be a place, but we need some sort of protection, which, while it is protecting us, also threatens us. Because how can we give up our way of seeing to someone or something that we don't know where we're going? We're going a little bit blind. We're trusting this guide. And so there's this balance of trust and some faith, and there's also the fear that we don't really know where we're going or what's going to be required of us. For myself, when I went to, uh, after 10 years or so of practicing here in the States, when I went to Burma, I'd never been out of the country. And I just got on a plane in New York and flew to Burma. And not only was it foreign, it was really foreign. (laughs) I mean, everything about being in Burma was strange, different. Different country, different climate, different food, everything. And not only that, I went to the monastery, which was even more different than different. And thank goodness Upandita was there. (laughs) To offer me some protection, you know, he, I had a connection with him from having spent three months with him in the States, and so there was a certain amount of kind of paternal, fraternal safety, even though he was a terrifying person to practice with. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, that's, that's the only way you can go. You can't get too comfortable there, but at least you feel safe. So I think that each one of us, as we embark on this journey, or as we really get into the journey of letting go, sacrificing, renouncing, and we rely on a guide, that guide is going to ask a tremendous amount, ask for a tremendous amount of faith. It's gonna draw from us a tremendous amount of faith and trust and courage to travel this terrain with them. It's just, there's no other way. When you give up your own personal way of seeing things, we need a guide. Jumping mouse, now you remember the buffalo had taken jumping mouse to the foot of the sacred mountains. Jumping mouse immediately began to investigate her new surroundings, there were even more things here than in the other places, busier things with an abundance of seeds and other things that mice like. In her investigation of these things, suddenly she came upon a gray wolf who was sitting there doing absolutely nothing. Hello, Sister Wolf, Jumping Mouse said. The wolf's ears came alert and her eyes shone. Wolf, wolf, yes, that is what I am, I'm a wolf. But then her mind dimmed again and it was not long before she sat quietly again, completely without memory as to who she was and what she was doing. Each time Jumping Mouse reminded her who she was, she became excited with the news but soon would forget again. Such a great being, thought Jumping Mouse, but she has no memory. Jumping Mouse went to the center of this new place and was quiet. She listened for a very long time to the beating of her heart. Then suddenly, she knew what to do. She scurried back to where the wolf sat and she spoke. Sister Wolf, Jumping Mouse said, Wolf, Wolf, uh, said the wolf. Uh, Please, uh, Sister Wolf, said Jumping Mouse, please, listen to me. I know what will heal you. It is one of my eyes, and I want to give it to you. You are a greater being than I. I'm only a mouse, so please take it. When Jumping Mouse stopped speaking, her eye flew out of her head, and the wolf was made whole. Tears fell down the cheeks of Wolf. But her little sister could not see them. For now, she was completely blind. You are a great sister, said Wolf. For now, I have my memory. However, you are blind. But since I am the guide into the sacred mountains, I'll take you there. There is a great medicine lake there, the most beautiful lake in the world. All the world is reflected there, the people, the lodges of the people and all the beings of the prairie and the skies. Oh, please take me, they are, said Jumping Mouse. The wolf guided her through the pines to the medicine lake. Jumping Mouse drank the water from the lake and the wolf described the beauty to her. After that, she said, I must leave you here for I must return so that I may guide others to this place. But for as long as you like, I'll stay here until you wish me to leave. Thank you, my sister, said Jumping Mouse, but although I am frightened to be alone, I know you must go so that you may show others to this place. Jumping Mouse sat there, trembling in fear. It was no use running, for she was blind, and she knew an eagle would find her there. She felt a shadow on her back, and heard the sound that eagles make. She braced herself for the shock and the eagle hit. Jumping Mouse went to sleep. Then she woke up. The surprise of being alive was great, but now she could also see. Everything was kind of blurry, but the colors were fantastic. I can see. Hmm. I can see, said Jumping Mouse over again and again. A blurry shape came towards Jumping Mouse, and she squinted hard, but the shape remained a blur. Hello, sister, a voice said. You want some medicine? Yes, some medicine for me, asked Jumping Mouse. Yeah, yeah, sure, if it's possible. Then crouch down as low as you can, the voice said, and jump as high as you are able. Jumping Mouse did as she was instructed. She crouched as low as she could, and she jumped. The wind caught her and carried her higher. Do not be afraid, the voice called to her. Hang on to the wind and trust. Jumping Mouse did. She closed her eyes and hung on to the wind and it carried her higher and higher. Jumping Mouse opened her eyes and they were clear. And the higher she went, the clearer they became. Jumping Mouse saw her old friend upon a lily pad on the beautiful medicine lake. It was Frog. You have a new name called Frog. You are Eagle. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) In this concluding section of the story, we um, come upon the sacred mountains, Guided there by the one who forgets. And there's a a transformation, a transcendence and a transformation uh, that takes place. But at the foot of the sacred mountains, when we get to the sacred, there is just lots to do and to be busy with. Even better things. What is that in our life? Well... You just go into any spiritual bookstore and you've got your answers right there. There's just tons. There's just lots to do. Lots of knowledge to gather. Lots of things to experiment with. Lots of spiritual disciplines that'll take you to the foot of the mountain. And you can be busy for your whole life there. And you're quite likely to find the one there who has forgotten. The one who has forgotten that there's a mountain yet to be climbed. The one who's knowledgeable, busy, living at the foot of the sacred mountains, but has not yet reached the top. Or, we could say, could be the guide to the top of the sacred mountains, if it only had its memory. We forget. We get seduced by spiritual goodies. Whatever you think spiritual goodie is, you will get seduced. Guaranteed. There will be some fascination with ecstasy, bliss, union, God, or transcendent. Whatever you think is really a goal, but is really only the foot of the sacred mountains. Whatever you think that is it will seduce you. And when you get seduced by spiritual goodies, you forget. You just forget that something else is possible. That the top of the Spirit, sacred mountains is nearby and you're not there yet. It's interesting that the, the characteristic of mindfulness is not forgetting. The way to discover what is needed is as the mouse did, is go to the center of oneself to discover what is needed. Listen to your heart. And as the mouse discovered it is greater compassion and greater renunciation. And in the mouse's case it involved giving up the last remnant, or her other eye, the last remnant of holding on to your conditioned way of seeing things. Imagine, the way we've understood all of life up to this point is not going to take you to the top of the sacred mountain. It has to be let go of. You have to go blind. With a guide, but blind to the, to the pinnacle, if you will. If we can overcome those temptations. Going blind into the unknown not knowing really where we're going, having only a description, a narration from our guide. Here's where each one of us needs to learn from the support of a guide what is the path to the sacred and what is not the path to the sacred. And we can't rely on our old way of seeing things. However, when we are confident that we know the path and while still blind to the pinnacle of the sacred, we can confidently dismiss our guide even though we may be afraid of the unknown. When we're blind to the unknown and we fear the end is near, we may be fortunate enough to be hit. To go to sleep, to go into the, what, who knows, to go into that unknown, that unconditioned, that, that place that is not known. You can't, you can't do anything to get there. You can just put yourself in a position and hope that you fall in or hope that you get taken by it. And upon awakening, upon emerging from that sleep, from that darkness, from that transformation, while everything is the same, everything is different. Things may be blurry, we may not recognize familiar, but with humility again, to reach the pinnacle, we can trust the guide, and catch catch the wind. And if we trust the uh, guide, uh, we will let the winds of circumstance carry us. As Kuan Yin says, the winds of circumstance blow across emptiness. Who can they harm? Circumstance, the winds of circumstance, they're just continually blowing. If you trust, there's no danger, there's no harm. And with our ability to be, allow ourselves to be carried on the winds of circumstance, our vision gets clearer. And with that, we, we will begin to recognize a new nature, a new way of seeing things. And in the Native American tradition, eagles are regarded as the spirit of power. And the presence of an eagle is, uh, strengthens the heart and gives one great courage so in, in our transformation of uh, spiritual transcendence, if you will, uh, we become that courageous and that powerful to trust the winds of circumstance. As Crazy Horse of the uh, de Lakota said, a very great vision is needed. And the one who has it must follow it as the eagle seeks the deepest blue of the sky. So, let's just sit for a minute and let these words come to an end. The other great spiritual guides of my life have sung. May the four winds blow you safely home: Thank you for listening.